I'm Ali. And I'm Penny. And you're listening to Not Too Busy to Write. The podcast about writing, publishing and creativity amongst life's many other demands. This week, I have a guest with me, Annie Ridout. She is the author of two nonfiction books. She um, is also the um, author of um, a self-published poetry book. She started The Early Hour, which is an online parenting platform. She's also a freelance journalist, and she runs another business, The Rebora. So she's got a lot of strings to her bow. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you, Penny. Thank you for having me. Um, we, uh, you have just published your second book, Shy, how being quiet can lead to success, which just come out in the past week. Um, it is, first of all, it's so beautiful. The cover is so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Were you really happy when you saw the, um, the cover come in? I was, yeah. We'd, since the beginning, Michelle, my editor, and I had been talking about what we imagined for front cover. And she said yellow really early on. And I was like, yes, I love, I love the idea of a really bright colour rather than a really yes. toned down colour. So it's, so I'll just describe it for the listeners who haven't seen it. It's bright yellow. Um, and the word shy is just, is quite small, bright pink. And it's right at the edge of the book, which I absolutely love. It's just so beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's very not shy in some ways, which I love. Yeah, which is my, my argument is that as a, as a shy person, you don't have to retreat. You don't have to be, become invisible. Well, let's talk about the book first of all, because I feel like we probably have a lot of listeners who might identify with feeling shy or being shy. Um, So um, what was it that first of all drove you to choose this as your next project? Um, And are you a shy person? Um, So yes, I am shy. I, when I, well, what drove me to writing the book, I actually wanted to do something on confidence as I was thinking about confidence I was thinking about my own shyness Mm. and then I was speaking to Michelle my editor who published my first book The Freelance Mum and together we were like actually no one's talking about shyness um, and the fact that it can be a good thing lots of people are talking about how to overcome shyness Mm. and there are all these books by psychologists about everything um, that's kind of wrong with it <laughs> not wrong with it but everything the um, problems that it, the problems that it mm-hmm. may lead to that you may need to fix and I was like do you know what I'm shy I've always been shy and I've still managed to do the things that I want to do in life so how about a book on the fact that like being shy can contribute to your success rather than um sort of detract from it or affect it in a negative way so yes I'm shy and uh and I sort of I started writing the book and I was writing it about how kind of how I'd overcome my shyness Mm. because I was shy as a child and I was quiet and I'd hide and I was never the one who was kind of at the center of the conversation or being loud or performing um and and so I started writing the book about how I you know I was really shy as a child but now I'm not and as I went through the process of writing the book I was like I completely am still shy but I just learned how to mask it really well. And I just push myself out of my comfort zone all the time. Um, but the shyness is still very much there. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think, um, I think as well, the thing that I loved about the book was, was there is such a positive side to the book and really extracting all the positives, but it's also about just managing it, isn't it? It's about understanding yourself and your own tendencies and knowing when to encourage yourself and when to kind of take more steps forwards and when it's okay 
to just retreat and mm. do things the way you do things rather than try and pretend to be somebody else as well. Yeah, that's it. I think it's a balance. And I think what I've seen is that lots of writers are shy and we don't know what comes first. Um, is it that you are born shy and so you develop a career as a writer or is it that you um, start writing? And I, I guess you, you're shy first. Most, yeah. people, most people have a genetic predisposition to shyness. It's sort of half genetic, half learned. So if you're born a bit shy, perhaps you read more, perhaps you spend more quiet time um, alone, you get into writing. It's a really nice um, kind of activity to do on your own. Perhaps the people who aren't shy are out playing in the streets or performing or doing something else that's more yeah. kind of loud yeah. and showy. Um, so, yeah, I think that shyness can lead to a different type of creativity and it can lead to so many positive things, but it can hold you back as well. And it yeah. can make you feel really self-aware and, you know, the obvious things like going into a party, going to a wedding, going into a new school classroom can feel so daunting for someone who's shy. So do, that we do need to kind of have some tools for coping with that side. Yeah, and I loved all of the, first of all, your personal stories, but also all the other personal stories that you've peppered throughout the book of people, very successful people talking about how they have managed their shyness within their career and then very successfully within their careers, but still they have their shyness socially sometimes, yes. um, which was so fascinating because I think it's, it is that, isn't it? It's about um, learning about yourself and having the tools to manage things and thriving within your natural personality traits. Mm. Um, but also the, this, this idea of it not being entirely fixed is so interesting. I, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, um, but I was very shy as a child as well, but only in very particular circumstances, which I'm sure is probably true for lots of people. Mm -hmm. um, I still have a report from my final year in high school of theatre studies where my theatre studies teacher said you'd be mistaken in thinking when you first meet Penny that she's a very shy person but you quickly realize that she isn't. And I think that describes my childhood very well. But what I realized reading your book was that I very systematically, without actually maybe consciously doing it, um, exposed myself constantly to new situations. Um, and it, and I don't really, ha I don't have that at all anymore. I can have happily go into any new circumstances pretty much and not be uncomfortable. Um, I think particularly my work as a photographer where as an assistant and as a professional photographer so my whole career from when I was 21 um I was working with new teams almost every single day mm. and so just from sheer exposure to constantly working with new people and constantly having to start up new relationships um with practice that just went away yeah well that's that's really interesting and um what I learned similarly I put myself into situations which was so terrifying at the time things yeah. like public speaking um working in like telesales cold calling people um working in a job where I had to like approach people um in bars and I loved that story that was fascinating <laughs> and also the fact that you'd sign up for the job before you quite realized what you got yourself into yeah, and then well, force yourself to do it anyway it was well, such a yeah. great story yeah it was the 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 guy who it was he came up to me um it was service about smoking and you got a lighter if you filled out a questionnaire and I was like 
filled it out and thought this is a really cool job and then asked him for a job and then he gave me one and I it was something like 200 pounds 150 200 pounds a night and I was like right. 19 or something it was so <laughs> much money at the time and so I signed up but that's why I couldn't not do it when I suddenly realized hold on I'm going on my own into a pub full of like really busy pubs full of people who are like deep in conversation and I have to interrupt their conversation and say can you fill out a survey about cigarettes and you know people would just look at me like what yeah. <laughs> but then lots of people would also fill out the survey so that was me putting myself pushing myself so far out of my comfort zone and then um what happens as you experienced is that you start to expand your comfort zone and certain mm. situations where your shyness might hold you back you've realized actually I can do that I did it that time so actually I can do it again and I can try this new thing that's similar yeah yeah no it's really interesting looking back over my life and seeing that change but I would um, really recommend anyone who is um, well anyone should read it I feel like a lot of us identify as shy and there's just so much gold in there and I also loved um, you you talked to lots of experts but you talked to your mum who is a counsellor and I loved all of the advice that she had and you talked very affectionately about how she supported you as a child as a shy child Um, and that was just yeah it's really wonderful there's so much there's so much in there Um, and um and of course I think anyone listening who's putting themselves out there as a writer um there's a there's a section on rejection which I think is so um is so wonderful and there's advice from lots of different people um because I think that does that can come into it kind of the idea of um being not putting yourself forward for things because of being shy of having that attention whether that's rejection or praise or whatever Mm. it is um yeah, and I think there's a, there's another conversation starting alongside this shyness one at the moment around sensitivity, mm. and I think the two come hand in hand. And I think that um, when you're shy, you are often more sensitive, and so you're more sensitive to rejection, which can mean that some people don't put themselves out there and don't send that um, book idea or whatever it is, mm. um, or article idea, because it just feels like rejection will be too much to handle as a sensitive person. Yeah, um, but yeah, you've got you've got to just do you've it. got to do it. And I think from my point of view, I'm it, again. It just comes back to a practice thing. You know, mm. when I first started pitching articles and doing different things, it does feel like the most terrifying thing to do in the world. Mm. And the more you understand, it's really not always to do with you or your idea, but the timing and the context and all of these other things. Yeah. Um. And just sheer practice of doing it and getting and, accustomed yeah. to it. But I think it's once you have any kind of success, like with journalism, I pitched so many articles, was rejected so many times, and then suddenly the Guardian came to me and said, can you write an article? Because of some other work I was doing. And I was mm. like, oh wow, so I can be a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you start to think if you're rejected all the time, am I even that thing? Am I even like, I, I call myself journalist, am I if I'm not being published? And then you start to become published and you realize exactly that it's timing it's your pitch it's there's just so many different things it's the editor it's what they're looking for it's what people are talking about and it's the same with books like I've had my poetry um rejected so many times from so many different places I've had um single poems published a couple of times but I've had so much rejection and then Mm. as I was telling you earlier I've suddenly got interest in the book of poems that I self-published and now it's it's just again reminded me of the importance of putting yourself out there 
and being rejected like I'm being rejected hundreds of times I have sent hundreds of emails and letters mm. asking people to publish my poems and haven't heard back or I've been told no and now suddenly it looks like a poetry book might be published and it just has reminded me of the importance of persistence and just picking yourself up and that's, carrying on. It's so important isn't it? I think it's really important that, that we all talk about this openly as well because of course yeah. you know Annie you're very successful and you've had two non-fiction books published and you have um, you've built your own platform two different platforms you've built um, and um, as well as being a freelance journalist and I think it's sort of easy to think that once you get to a certain level of success then everything just kind of keeps ticking along and you get everything mm -hmm. that you pitch and everything that you want oh, yeah, but actually rejection not. continues doesn't oh, it throughout yeah, your career no. yeah. yeah I was listening to Amy Tan the novelist on Masterclass and she talked about the fact that she still gets rejected like the you know top yeah who are so successful and rich and everything like come up with ideas that their publisher doesn't like and then you've got to decide if the idea is still good and if you pitch it somewhere else or if you you know that's another like side of it you've got to decide whether your idea is strong enough um, and they're just wrong yes. <laughs> whether actually it's worth trying something different because I wrote an entire novel and there was some interest in it but I sent it to one agent who said it wasn't good enough and basically said I should start again and so I did and now I'm like hold on a minute I should have probably checked with a few more people before I started again that's interesting so you only got feedback from one agent before you made that decision yeah, I had feedback from my publisher, um, Fourth Estate, Michelle, my editor. I sent it to her, which they published my nonfiction. I sent the novel, and she was like, I really like the first 20,000 words, but then it mm. sort of lost its way. And rather than like going with, because Michelle is the one I would love to publish my novel, so I should be listening to her, but instead I was sort of keen to get an agent because novel writing is such a different process. It's yeah. massive, and it feels like it'd be nice to have someone. Um, along with me who I could sort of keep checking in with um, and publishers are too busy to do that often um, until you've got the, the, the book deal and so um, yeah I should have been going back to Michelle but I went to this agent and then she said it wasn't good enough and so and I just scrapped it and then I lost all confidence and didn't go back to it for like the best part of a year and then mm -hmm. I thought actually I was actually on holiday in Somerset in the countryside and I overheard this argument and I realised that was, I was going to steal it for the opening scene of my novel. So I'm now rewriting it. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to know when it's just your confidence that is too low, but you actually have something really good or whether the person and what they're saying is right and you should start again. You've always got to get, if you're going to listen to anyone outside of yourself, you've got to get more than one opinion. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I would recommend people probably check with maybe send to four agents, maybe. And mm. I think if you had four people coming back saying similar things, then I think you could definitely listen to what they have yeah. to say. But yeah. if it's split, then, you know, that might mean that you have to kind of go with your gut then, I suppose. But, but then there's another thing, which is mm. that I, I did send it to one other agent and she said, similarly to Michelle, she said, um, I really like the first 20,000 words and then it tells up. And, but then what happened is that she was really interested in publishing my nonfiction. And so that started to be prioritized. And I was like, no, I want, I, I want to push forward with yeah. the So then there's people want different things from you. They you, do. It's also about what you want versus what they want. That, yeah, no, that's so true. And I think in the, on, and the, on that note, we should talk about how you came to publishing with Fourth Estate without an agent, because that is a little bit unusual. So um, how did you develop the relationship with Michelle and how did that book come off the ground? 
So I had, I, um, I think you mentioned the Early Hour, which is a parenting platform that I'd been running since 2015. And in about 2018, I had, well, I'd always wanted to have a book published. And I came up with this idea for a book on sort of parenting around the world, real life stories, um, not just like the glossy side of parenting, a more real, varied side. And it was a very vague book idea. Um, but I had met a friend, I met someone at a play group when I was, when my daughter was two and we had the same age kids. We started hanging out. And then once we met in the pub and Michelle was there and we were chatting, I didn't know she worked in publishing and got on well. And then afterwards I discovered that she worked in publishing. We met again, talked a bit more. And then I asked for her email address and I contacted her and said, I've had this idea. And she liked what I was doing on the early hour. Um, I guess she could see I was starting to grow an Instagram following. She didn't say that, but I, I imagine that can be part of it these days. And so she said, we went for a coffee, had this amazing, like, really exciting coffee. She said, can you put together a pitch? I'm going to take this in. I think Fourth Estate will go for it. So I did, um, sent her the pitch, and then I didn't hear anything back for about six months. And I was like, oh, that's, it's not going to happen. That's the end of that. And then Michelle came back to me and said, look, um, sorry, no, off the back of, alongside pitching that Parenting Around the World book or whatever it was called, <laughs> she'd said, it's really good if you can think of a column idea when you're pitching a book, because that's obviously really good publicity. Um, so if you could get like a Guardian column alongside publishing a book, then obviously more people buy a book. So I came up with a book, a column idea for the freelance mum working mm. on kids, which was totally not totally unrelated, but it was not closely enough linked to the book I was pitching. But Michelle came back and said, you know, and I wrote four examples, four kind of samples for that column idea. And she came back and said, you know what, Parenting Around the World isn't the book to write, the freelance mum is. And we met for mm. a coffee and started talking about it. And we you know, talked about whether it would be um, freelance parents or freelance mums. And then, yeah, quite soon after that signed a... Uh, a publishing deal directly I asked Michelle if I should get an agent and she was like well it's up to you but usually an agent will get you into this situation with a publisher where you get to meet and have a coffee and talk about it but so I just did yeah signed directly with Fourth Estate and have been very happy <laughs> working with Michelle and with Fourth Estate since and again on, on shines yeah I know it is a pretty dreamy publisher to have so yeah. it is an unusual situation because that's the thing isn't it I think occasionally it does happen like it mm. happened with you um serendipity i guess and really good ideas coming together um but yeah for most people it's that you can't get that in because um publishers don't take submissions from randoms well, they say they don't but then i spent this mon monday just gone sending out um copies of the poetry book that i self-published having learned ah, that yes yeah and actually like all of them say they don't they don't read unsolicited material, but I sent my book. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to send it. And I sent it with a handwritten note to a handful of publishers who might be interested. And I've now got interest. So like rule, ignore the rules. Like, yeah. You know. And just do it how you want to do it. Do it. Yeah. And if you can show that you're hardworking, obviously that there needs to be like a bit of talent involved, but you have to work really hard and you have to persist. And if you can also be like sharing your stuff online and showing that um, people are reading it and sharing it and liking it, um, then it all contributes. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I think this is something that 
concerns lots of writers is this idea of platform. Um, and I feel like you are the perfect person to talk to about <laughs> it because you have built online platforms and you, you've built your own profile and you've gone about publishing in a slightly unusual way, um, which I think has been partly so successful, obviously, because your ideas are brilliant and you're a great writer, but you have um, the ability to grow your platform alongside your ideas to match your ideas. So, um, so for the, for anyone listening who is in the process of, of writing at the moment and wants to publish and is worrying about the size of their platform, where would you say people should begin in terms of growing, growing their platform as being known for someone who writes about X, Y, Z? Yeah, well, I think um, it's not so I know some publish. I know some people get published just because they have a massive following on Instagram. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. essentially. Yeah. yeah. But um, people also without a platform and without a following um, get, get published. So it's not like as, as black and white as um, you need a following and a community to get a publishing deal. It is about the idea and it's about you and how well you write. But um, if you can if you have the time and the energy and inclination to launch a platform which is on the subject that you want your book to be sub, um, to be um, published on, you know if it's on the same subject um, and you start to grow a community and maybe you start um, a mailing list and you're emailing people out like let's say the freelance mum that was really linked on the early hours publishing a lot of articles by and about freelancing as a parent, particularly mm. as a mum, the challenges you face, kind of tips for um, for making it work around your kids, that kind of career. And so I was building this community of a lot of people who then were becoming interested because they were already freelance or they were thinking of becoming freelance after reading about these other women who were making it work, kind of. <laughs> it's hard, but it's possible. Um, and, and so then, it's always going to be attractive to a publisher if they know that you've got people um, interested in your subject already. Yeah, because I guess what I mean by platform, I don't just mean social media. I don't just mean like Twitter followers and Instagram mm-hmm. followers, but but you know, people who um, are know that you as an authority to speak on the topic in a way. You know, yeah. so like that you have um, um, you have um, a lot of experience in the topic or you also have um you know people within the industry you're well connected or you're networked with other people who are yeah. um interested in the topic but you know but you know what i feel like um my topic or subject changes all the time like mm. i didn't freelance mum thing but that's not my thing i sometimes get people who are sending me messages on instagram saying can you tell me about how to get maternity pay as a freelancer and i'm like no you can go on the government website that's not me i'm not yeah like, I'm not I'm not really an authority on all things freelancing as a mum but if you want to set up as a freelancer after you've had kids my book shares kind of tips for how to make that happen it's a guide so in terms of like whether someone should create a platform on one very specific thing to get a book deal I don't think that you should necessarily but if you've got something you're interested in, like I'm working with a client and her subject is burnout because she experienced it. She's now blogging about it. And it's all a really organic thing. And mm. it's amazing. Her writing's brilliant. And I can see that it could well lead to a book deal. But she's not doing it with that intention. She's doing it with the intention of just sharing her story. Yeah. So I think that whole thing about authenticity, it's like such an like overused word. But there's something in it, like if you have an interest or if you are a specialist um, on a particular subject and you're writing blog posts about it and you're kind of sharing online content or you create a newsletter 
um, Instagram posts, whatever it is, then um, if, if you do it in a very honest way, it will help you in terms of getting a book down the line. Yeah. It yeah. It's not going to, st- it's not going to go the other way. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's not necessarily about um, sort of cynically and strategically building a very specific kind of following, but more about sharing your um, expertise and by expertise, I mean, experience, not just like qualifications yeah. or anything like that um, with a wider audience. So people yeah. start to kind of be like, well, in even just, you know, like, then people call you, like people contact you. Yeah. They're writing an article about X, Y, Z because they know that's yes. a topic that you're, that you're familiar with. And um, that's something I know that you've got some courses on that as well. You're doing your DIY, DIY PR as well, haven't you? Yeah. Which are yeah. really, really helpful for all of that sort of um, profile building. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what I always teach is like the more niche you are, the better, but I don't actually do that myself because I, <laughs> do you know what? I'm reading that atomic habits book and I, and he's like, so he starts creating literally got it. I literally got it, got it the other day and I've just so been reading everyone, it. Yeah. yeah. And um, so he's building these, these small habits and then he's like, Oh, I could start blogging about it. So he starts blogging about it and then he's growing a mailing list and suddenly he's got 500,000 people on this mailing list. He's talking about habits he builds a business around it. He coaches people about habits. And I said to Rich, my husband, I, I love that he's done this. It's so niche. There's no way I could build my entire career on one really specific thing. No, me I'd neither. Yeah, I'd get bored too. This yeah. is the thing is that, you know, I feel quite passionate about unpaid caring. And, um, but I'm not, that's not what I'm going to continue writing about. Mm, I mean, not, it will yeah. ever be that far away. I'm sure I'll continue yeah. speaking and writing about it a bit. Yes. But it's funny, people have said to me, well, so what's your next book about caring? And I'm like, I don't think yeah. there's going to be another book about caring. I feel like I've said what I want to say. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. obviously, if something changes massively about my yeah. experience or something, you know, I don't know, then maybe I will come back to the topic. Yeah. Um, it's something that I'll probably continue to do a little bit of journalism about, you know, that, you know, when, when it's relevant and topical. But yeah, it's not, yeah. Um, it's not going to be my full, my remit. So, but you were blogging as well. Yeah. And you've got sort of various interests and you write about them and you're kind of writing about your life. Um, yeah, I've got various interests. And I think, I suppose we're probably similar in that sense. We've probably got all, each of us have got a handful of things that we're really interested in. And we sort of dip in and out of those topics because yeah, they're relevant to us. Exactly. But on this <laughs> it's not so much maybe about a niche as about just like being online, being out there doing something. And then people come to like you as a person and a yeah. writer and they listen to what you're saying. And then sometimes your like followers or your readers or your email subscribers will almost like build your niche for you because suddenly yes. a lot of people asking you lots about caring. Um, then it's like, oh, right. People like the way I talk about this. I'll write a book on it. <laughs> well, this is, this is exactly what happened. And I think yeah. you were the one of, um, I think Annie, you were one of the very first people I talked to about this book idea, in fact. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was a little bit resistant to the idea of writing about unpaid caring um, until I realized I had to, <laughs> it was really yeah. funny. And then of course I felt, then I did want to write it and I wanted to kind of almost, I needed to get it out before I moved yeah. on to something else. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think I, everything I wrote about around that topic really seemed to strike a quite a massive chord with people. Yeah. And they were the ones that were telling me this is, what we connect with with you over 
And yeah. so it just happened that way. Yeah. Um, and of course, then I started to research it and then I did want to write about it. But um, yeah. but it, it was not my assumption at all. I was writing fiction before. Yeah. And that's something I've come back to now. But I feel like I got that. I did that book. And now I can come back to fiction again. I had yeah. to sort of always it, get out of it, my system. It, yeah. It, yes, I totally understand that about get, getting a topic out of your system and also then yeah wanting to move on and do something different but it kind of it opens a door I think you have one book published first I think you have to in terms of growing back to your question about growing a platform I think to just be doing anything in the online space mm. um, to be telling stories to be talking about yourself to be sharing things is a really good idea yeah and um, whatever you're talking about and then you might get a book deal off the back of it. And it doesn't mean then you can only write about that one thing, but it does mean that you're a published author. And so then when you want to get your other thing, your poetry, your novel, your next nonfiction, whatever it is, um, your, your, your profile is kind of raising a bit each time. You yeah. do the, the early work of starting the profile and trying to reach people using social media to share your posts and things. But then when you get that outside recognition from a publisher, um, that can be a good way, I think, to just like get your foot in the door and then there's some freedom to try. Yeah, on. no, I, yeah, I totally agree. I sort of, it's funny thinking back to, I think it was in 2016, I started writing again after many, many years, you know, with young children of not writing anything and um, sharing things publicly and how mm. terrifying that was in the beginning. And in fact, yeah. the first blog I did, I didn't have my name on the oh, blog. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah, because I just, it just was, it just, I almost needed that to be the first step. Yeah. And then very quickly I changed it and it was more public, but, yeah. um, but it was like I needed to just start. Yes. And in yeah. order to get myself to start, I had to allow myself not to have my name on it. So yeah. I did. Interesting. And yeah. then, but it was, you know, it didn't take long for me to feel yeah. com- more comfortable sharing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, it's all these, it's all these incremental steps. Yes. And taking the next step that you feel, I guess, to expand, you know, like just coming back to that shyness thing is, I guess it's like um, just pushing yourself just a little bit more each yeah. time, but you don't need to go to the nth degree right away. You can just incrementally yes, well, what get you more comfortable. Did, yeah. And what you've just described is such a good example of that. So you knew that you needed, you wanted to start writing and sharing it online. Well, I wanted to start sharing it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Because I've yeah. written for years and never shared anything. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. It was about not just like diving in. It was about yeah, slowly moving towards um, the kind of later goal of everyone knowing it was your writing. <laughs> I know it's funny, isn't it? And also people do, um, you know, because some of the topics I've written about um, are challenging for some people. Um, people that have often come back to me and say, you're so brave talking about these things. And I'm like, well, I mean, I've had a lot of practice and I have processed it already. This is not like fresh things for me that I'm sharing on the spur of the moment or anything like yes. that. It's, um, it's, you know, it's things I've processed both through, you know, personally and on the page quite a lot um and you do just yeah these things require practice yeah it doesn't feel brave at all now to talk about a whole bunch of things I talk about Mm. although there is still lots of things I don't talk about online yeah (laughs) of course (laughs) um so when it comes down to the actual writing because you've got lots of different strings to your bow you've got um a business you've still got the early hour platform you still do freelance journalism um and you've just written a book how do you decide how much of yourself and your time 
obviously you also have three children, I should add. Um, <laughs> um, how do you decide how much you can give of yourself to something like a book project when you have um, a business, which is, you know, supplying an income for your whole family? So um, that's a good question. And so with both the freelance mom and shy, both my nonfiction books, how I, what I did is I got the book deal. And then, so to get a nonfiction book deal, for those who don't know, I know that you do know, obviously, you write a, a proposal. So you don't have to submit a full book. You write a proposal, like a chapter outline. And, and so I'd done that. And then once I got the book deal, I got some extra childcare. And for both of them, I committed a month to working my arse off um, and just getting as much done as possible. So I was doing interviews for both of them and just writing and writing and writing. And I think because I've done so much blogging and because I write articles as a journalist, I'm, I, I didn't, I find nonfiction quite easy to write because it mm. feels almost like a set of blog posts. So unlike fiction, like a novel where the structure has to be so, like, there's a plot and there's characters, and all these different things and it all has to link up so neatly. Big, Massive. big, broad topic, yeah. isn't it? And it's, and yeah. it's it, there's so many layers to it. Exactly. Whereas with nonfiction, like The Freelance Mum, my first book, I the first chapter, I can't even remember now, I think it was like, but there was a chapter on PR. So I would spend yeah. a day writing that PR and then there's a chapter on networking. And that in terms of like um, structuring my time, I just found it so much easier to sit down and work on a chapter on one subject within the freelance sort of sphere so with both books a full month of really like going for it and and getting a rough first draft mm. and then and so and that means taking a month off all other work yeah and fully committing my childcare as which were only a couple of days a week but then maybe I do some weekend writing and then after that the drafts would have to be weaved in throughout other work so when I was writing the freelance mom I was uh, freelancing I had some contracts of copywriting and PR stuff and then when I was writing shy I had a newborn baby but he was sleeping a lot so he was in the rocker next to me um and that was fine and then I was running the business yeah so I put the Rebora my business um I just paused that for a month um and and did my yeah wrote a kind of first a first draft and then when I was coming back to other drafts I probably kind of get an edit through from Michelle and then I'd set aside a couple of days and take that time away from the business and just kind of try and balance it out but at the moment I'm very much I've realized with running a business there's so much you can do but you don't have to do it mm, so I can yeah. I could be doing a newsletter a day I know other businesses that are and it works because I like there's a shoe brand that I love Tracy Jules and every day I get their newsletter at the moment they've like pumped up their marketing and I they're just top of mind and I know that if you want to run a successful business, you have to be like putting yourself out there. Same as, as, as if you want to be a writer, published author, you have to be putting yourself out there. But I also know that you can just step back and not do anything and nothing happens, like nothing changes. It's not, you know, it, it ticks be, over. It doesn't grow, it, it, but it ticks over. 
Exactly. So what I've, and really, I realized early on with the Rebora, which is like an online course platform, and people were like, so you're running these online courses and it's really going well. So this is you, you're like the online course woman. And I was like, no, I'm not. This is very much like a small chapter. And then I go back to being a full-time writer. Yeah. And this is the thing as well, is it? And we've talked about this in the past before, like you really enjoy writing the courses, like the actual yeah, act of writing exactly. the courses is yeah, where your that. strengths are, as yeah. well as, um, everything that you share online as well but um but I think sometimes people forget that there's so much writing involved in yes. courses and that's one yeah. of the things that really appealed to you about it right absolutely and yeah my first one was on how to do your own PR and it was just written now I have like some video and I do an audio version um but I've not got any plans for a new course coming up because I'm just focusing on the books but what what I find interesting is when I've had a book deal twice um, as soon as it's signed, I'm like, right, I can commit my time. I can take time away from the business because I'm being paid. Um, and, you know, as you know, the, the advance is split into four payments spread because shy, because of the pandemic, that was massively delayed, its publication. So it's the payments will be spread over two years. Yeah. So it's not And like, that's very normal, actually, yeah. for a nonfiction, for, for payments to be spread over 18 months or two years. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not... It's not the most lucrative business, shall we say. No. But it depends. The freelance mum, I signed the book deal in the March and it was out in the January. So actually I got nice quick. Yeah. So it was quick, but less money. Anyway, but when I'm writing my novels, because I don't have a book deal, I would never take time out of my business to work on a novel. That is interesting. Yeah. So I wrote the first draft of the book that I'm working, the novel I'm working on now, um, when my son, my second child was like one and I spent an entire summer every evening doing two to three hours work and I didn't mm. go out one I didn't go out one evening of that summer and I just sat there and I wrote every night because I felt like I'm not allowed to take time out of my day job I probably still had client work at that point but I am allowed to spend my evenings doing that so yeah I think that's a kind of interesting side of it and what has that has that changed now that you've published more? Would you now allow yourself, knowing that the likelihood of you being able to publish a novel because of your experience and because of your relationships and because of the quality of your writing, obviously, but like knowing that it, it's more likely now, obviously it's never guaranteed, mm. but would you now allow yourself yes, to take I, a bit of time out? Yeah, I am at the moment. I met with Michelle um, my editor and publisher at Fourth Estate, and she is keen for me to write a novel for my next mm. project and another nonfiction. So we're talking about doing both in tandem. And so now that we've had that conversation, and I know she's keen for me to write fiction, I'm like, cool, that's it. I'm focusing on that. So you needed a bit of almost like permission from the outside, like yeah. from authority to say, yeah. yes, you should be doing this now. Exactly. And so even though we haven't signed the deal, as I said earlier, with a novel, with, well, yeah, with nonfiction, you send a proposal. With a novel, yeah. you send the full novel. So I have to write the novel to get the book deal. Yeah. So there's no other way around it. So I, that said, <laughs> I was meant to be spending this whole week on my novel because I'm about 30,000 words in. I rewrite, started rewriting it using the scene from that argument I'd overheard in real life. And I'm pleased with the new version. But um, 
I am finding it hard. I'm sitting down at my computer and I'm going into my emails and then I'm like starting to send out poetry books and I'm like, I'm finding myself very easily distracted because having like, it's that blank canvas thing. When you sit down with a full day in front of you, yeah. days I have childcare and then suddenly I, it just feels so sort of luxurious and there's definitely a mindset thing going on where I feel like I don't deserve to just sit in my garden shed and write a novel because that is too luxurious and lovely it's so funny isn't it I feel like we do worry so much about how busy we are when it comes to writing but sometimes that's not the problem Mm. because sometimes being busy is what spurs us on to sit down and get the work done like you did that summer when you sat down every evening and wrote out that first draft it's um it's really, it's, yeah, it's endlessly fascinating to me. Um, this idea that, um, that sometimes it's not what we think stopping us. Yes, that's so true. And do you know what? You're constantly in my mind, um, like you're regularly in my mind anyway, but particularly this week, because I know that you prioritise your writing. And I love when I did your course on creating time that you said um, you sit down and the first part of your day I think the first hour is spent on writing so when photography work was your main thing you wanted to be writing so you would focus on the writing and you would prioritize it and I found I find that so powerful and it's really front of mind when I'm feeling oh I'll just do all the other things and then I'll I'll sort of if I've got time I'll put in a bit of writing novel writing at the end of the day I'm like no but put it at the beginning of the day when actually I work best I'm a morning person I have my energy. That's when I have childcare, like a couple of mornings a week. So I'm, I'm really trying to be, be more penny. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing is that like, even though I'm writing more now and doing less photography and doing other stuff, um, it's still, it's still the, um, all the other admin around being a writer. There's so much admin around being a writer, mm. um, especially if you're also kind of growing a platform and pitching articles and, you know, doing social media and, you know, mm. all the other different things that as writers that we do, um, it would be easy to just do that all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I try and wait it so that my best time is when I'm actually writing or working on some very specific project that requires concentration and um, save all the admin for when I'm a bit more tired. Yeah, in the afternoon. But and also I think it's important to work out what, what is your priority? What is the thing that you would most like to move forward with? For mm. me, it's having a poetry book published, but I've written all the poetry. So that's, then it's sort of admin, it's the conversation yeah. and the posting out but it's the novel that I need to finish. So that has to be the thing that I next week (laughs) spend uh, the beginning of my day working on. Well, that's super exciting. I'm so excited that you're working on a novel. Um, Yeah. And I can't wait to read it. Uh, Well, thank you so much. We covered a lot of very different things, (laughs) which um, I always love. So um, thank you so much. And your novel, your, sorry, your, um, your latest book, shy how being quiet can lead to success is out already isn't it it is yes um and oh and we always finish on um uh what we have been reading in the past week or two um okay and i'm um i've read well obviously your book this week which is really lovely um but i've had it's been such a rubbish few weeks for us in our household um for various different reasons um 
and isolation and hospitalization and various different things. So I always revert to comfort reading and go back to just whatever I want to desperately want to read, not what I have to read for work or for anything else. Um, and so I picked up the third novel in the Elizabeth Jane Howard series of, um, of the Catholic Chronicles because I read the first two over Christmas when I did a big indulgent read just a ton of enjoyable fiction over Christmas um, and I decided and I loved them so much I decided to save the others for when I really needed to read them and I decided last week I really 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 needed to read the next one so I read the third one which is Confusion and it's set in the tale the second half of the Second World War and there is something so incredibly comforting about in this period of time that we've been in reading about other people who have been through really challenging times, like collectively mm -hmm. challenging times. And I'm just finding it just weirdly lovely and comforting to read about the second world war. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's also like really like crazy family drama. So drama, there's so many affairs happening. There's just, there's so many dramas um, and it's just thoroughly enjoyable. So yeah, that's what I've been indulging in. Nice. Um, do you know what I, funnily enough, I didn't know that this question was going to come up. Sorry, I should have warned you. No, it's fine. I, but I kind of thought it might. And <laughs> I, last night I had a conversation with Rich, my husband, about how many books I'm reading. Because he was like, is that the book you're reading? I was like, I, I'm reading five books, I think. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 I started questioning myself. Yeah, I know you're, you've always got lots of books on the go. But um, basically, I, what I do is I'm reading, a, I read my Kindle in bed. Mm. And that's always a novel so I'm reading an Anne Tyler book I love Anne Tyler I can't remember the name of the book I, it's got redhead in the in the title oh something about I'll look it up and put it in the show notes I think it's redhead on the side of the road or something like that it's really good the problem with Kindle is I always forget the name because I'm not seeing the name yes yes yeah 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 100 yeah. percent yeah yeah so that's so that's the novel um and then I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle I'm near the end of that and mm -hmm. I loved that kind of memoir and then I'm reading Sophie Haywood's memoir so Untamed I sort of dip in because you can just dip in yeah because they're essays yeah and I love yeah, that about really essay collections cool. you can go in and you can just read one and you don't need to have the whole context of the whole book to be able to just enjoy one yeah yes Exactly. And then Sophie Hayward's it's memoir, The Hungover Games, and that's just sort of very easy to read. She's a journalist, so it's kind of nice. And then I'm reading Time to Think, which is a coaching book by Nancy Klein that is hmm. fantastic. Um, and then I've always got kind of poetry books on the go that I dip in and out of. So, yeah. but Lots of things. Lots of things. But I always have my bedtime novel and that's like my real comfort reading. It's got to be fiction and um I read lots of Tayari Jones. I've read mm -hmm. yeah. almost, I've read like five of her books in succession. And then I've taken a break to have Anne Tyler, but I love, I loved An American Marriage, but the latest one I read, I'm not going to remember the name of, but um, I'll tell you after the podcast. <laughs> but again, it's the Kindle. Uh, I love that. And we've talked the about untelling. this in the past. The, oh, the Untelling, yeah. We've talked about this in the past with um, with all of your various babies that you've been breastfeeding. Um, the Kindle um, and going to bed early with the Kindle and breastfeeding for the evening has been a bit of a routine for yours for for the last couple of babies, right? No, I actually. Was it just this one? My last this last one. Oh, so it's just this. It's just yeah. this baby. We must have talked about it quite a few times then. But it's just such a lovely. I love that um, that ritual that you've had since he was really tiny of like taking yourself off to bed with your well, kindle he slept with me till he was eight months old like in my arm not in a cot next to bed just completely in the bed with me 
and I didn't want to be on my phone as when I had my first it was Instagram wasn't such a big fit or I wasn't on my phone so much I had a Blackberry and they were that was pretty crap so then with my second I probably spent more time but because I spend so much time on my phone now working and actually with my second son I was um doing a lot for the early hours yeah so I, I was gonna say you're working a lot yeah, yeah. I'd be writing articles which I enjoyed so I was breastfeeding and writing an article because I was putting out an article every day at that time but with the last baby yeah I got a Kindle because I needed to be able to do something in bed that wasn't on my phone mm. but was something <laughs> excellent well see yeah my version of that is my audiobooks I don't really read on a Kindle unless I'm going away somewhere and I sort of and it's easier but um I've got all of my I've got so many books on my Audible account and they're just right there and I can yeah. just Oh, I love it. I love it. I just need access all the time to a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so amazing. And then sometimes if there would otherwise be a tendency to sort of go into Instagram and scroll or go on Twitter or whatever, if you can instead listen to a really good book, it just feels like, you know, much better use of your time. I might occasionally scroll and listen well, at the same time. Yeah, I probably would too. I don't, I'm not on Audible. Um, I listen to podcasts, but not... Um, don't listen to books yet I imagine I, will. I know it's a funny thing I think it's a habit thing in some ways it's because it all started because of retouching because I would spend hours in front of a computer screen retouching ah. plug sockets and changing color by like little tiny ridiculous degrees and it's a part of my brain that I can I can listen to words at the same time because retouching to me is incredibly boring but doesn't need my um verbal part of my brain yeah. so um I about visual artists that you as a visual artist like painters and graphic designers I have noticed often can share studios and have music on or be listening to something but if you're a writer you can't oh no yeah when I'm writing I do occasionally we talked about this in a previous episode sometimes as if I need to listen to when I was writing tender to quickly get me back into writing mode I would put on a very specific piece of classical music but I couldn't listen to anything with words but yeah. um, the, the re the, what I've always done over the years to get myself to sit down and do retouching, which I absolutely hate. It's like the thing I hate most about being a photographer. It's so boring. And I wish I live, I wish it was 20 years ago and I handed everything over to a lab instead of having to do it myself. That's yeah. the big downside to digital is that photographers are expected to do the work of like four people now. Mm. But um, the, the, way, the way I basically bribe myself to sit down and do it is that I'm like, oh, I get to listen to a book. And that's like my, I'll sit down and yeah. do three or four hours of, of work on, on a shoot because I'm listening to a great book. Yeah. So there we go. That's how my mind works. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. It's thank just been you. such a pleasure. We covered so many different things. Thank you. Yes, I'm, uh, it's an honour to be on your podcast and it feels like really nice timing because I'm very much focused on my writing now. So writing mode. Talking Excellent. about that. Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Thank you, Penny. You've been listening to Not Too Busy to Write with Ali Miller and Penny Windsor. You can find show notes, including the best ways to get in touch with us, as well as any reading recommendations mentioned in the episode at nottoobusytowrite.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe. And please go ahead and leave us a little review. It really helps others to find the podcast. You can find Ali on Instagram at Ali underscore Miller underscore writes and Penny at Penny Windsor. Music and editing is by Ewan Miller McMeekin. <laughs>